When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on, Bar Down Breakdown, episode 243, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. And today we are hanging with our homie Jared Cove from Last Disaster, Sick Enough, and Siesta, holding it down in South Florida. Repeat guest, but it has been way, way too long. So we are super excited to catch up with our buddy Jared. Jared, what's going on, brother? Yo, yo, what's up, fellas? Thanks for having me back. I'm really stoked to uh, to come back on the pod. It's been like uh, a couple of years, I think. You definitely came on pre-pandemic. Y- yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Time flies <laughs> when you're having fun or or even if you're not sometimes. so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you legit became a lawyer since the last time I had you on. <laughs> oh, my God. That's crazy to think about, but that's that's exactly right. I have become a lawyer since the last time I was on here, so... Man, it's been a while. It, it that's that's what we're trying to get to. It has been a while and it's way too long. So how to make it happen, especially since we finally got some new last disaster tunes that we're excited to talk about. And let's just break some news on here. I know that Last Disaster and Sick Enough will be playing a show with some of our homies as well at the end of June yep, down yep, in South yep. Florida. And I'm super excited for that. I'm excited for our homie Seneca Burns to to link up with you guys because I just went to their anniversary show on Friday night, sold out the venue again. Like wow. all they do is sell out venues here in Charlotte. So excited for you to meet them because they're awesome dudes. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm stoked. It's uh, you know, shows are kind of few and far between for me uh sometimes. So uh, I'm looking forward to that for sure. And um, yeah, that's gonna be a fun one. A little Florida summer for us. Hell yeah. So, you know, like I mentioned, we, we got some new Last Disaster tunes. So fill us in. You know, it it was how many years in between the release of College Try? Oh, man. Yeah. So um, the College Try came out, I want to say, in March of 2020, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was March. And um, obviously, that was right before this big uh, 
disruptive pandemic happened and it was, it was more than just disruptive. It was a really, really tough time for a lot of folks. Um, but that sort of forced me to put the music on the back burner a little bit. Um, uh, like you, like you mentioned a little earlier, I've been, I was in law school. I was really tied up with, um, with that. It was a tough time for me because, you know, I was at the university of Miami, uh, for law school and I was there. It's a, it's an, ex, it's expensive, it's an expensive law school, excuse me. And I, I was on a, a scholarship and I was like close to losing my scholarship after the first year. And it would have been a, a real problem financially. Uh, so I, kind of just kept it by the skin of my teeth and that was just sort of the, the dynamic that kept me from from doing music more consistently i released a couple of old um, acoustic songs um, that i had actually released previously under a different name um, back then uh, before last disaster was last disaster it was like a little acoustic side project called the get-go um, but the get-go turned out to be the name of a band that was also a pop-punk band that wasn't really around anymore, but it was still, you know, I, I had to change the name. But when I was the get-go, I put out this little demo called I Shine The Worn um, with two songs that appear on the College Try EP, but it was like way before there was a full band vision for it. Um, I re-released those, I think, later on in 2020. Um, I released a couple of covers, you know, as you know, I, I covered "Best I Ever Had" by the Swellers with um, with Tony from Overthinker. Uh, I did a Christmas cover, "You'll Shoot Your Eye Out" by Fallout Boy. But in terms of original music, really new new original music, this is the first song um, since the College Try. So it's been almost four years since I put out a song, and this new song being called "The Breakout Plan." Um, I'm really stoked on it. I think it's a little tiny bit punkier. Um, than a lot of what's on the college try, but, uh, it was cool. It, it, it's always fun to collaborate with my buddies. And, um, even though last disaster, you know, I'm, I'm writing a lot of this song, I'm writing all the songs, um, in terms of the skeleton, but part of what's cool about the journey for me is that I've been able to collaborate with my, my buddies, you know, with the college try uh, it was my lifelong, like best buddy, Will Ryan, who now lives in, um, uh, New York. And, uh, he, he kind of like, he's actually like building audio studios now. That's like his full-time job. It's really, really cool. But he's like one of my best buds. Um, so he kind of helped me bring, you know, breathe a little bit of life into the college try. Tony helped with that as well. He was an awesome producer. Um, and now even with this latest time, it's a little different, but, uh, it, it was me doing all the guitar work, which was a cool experience for me. Uh, I hadn't really played guitar in a band before. I still don't. I only do vocals live and it's always been like that. Um, but it's just been cool. You know, it's, it's, it's a really cool opportunity to get back on the saddle and do music um, a, a little more earnestly now that I have the ability to do so. <clears throat> now, one thing that everyone loves about the wonder years is like their callbacks to old songs and stuff. So I'm not great on song titles but it, i know for a fact that no, you're right one of the yeah. one of your lyrics is from the get-go is that yeah. a callback to your old project that's exactly right i'm so glad you brought that up i i would have you know I, I forgot about that particular lyric but yeah so in from the get-go that's a song from the get-go and it was not originally called that it was originally called um you know, in parentheses, it says time heals all wounds on that track. You know, we kind of did one of those uh, from the get go parentheses, time heals all wounds. That's one of the songs that I put on, um, that little acoustic demo when I was called the get go. Um, but it wasn't called 
from the get-go is called Time Heals All Wounds, which is why now it's in parentheses. So that part and that lyric obviously wasn't there when I did the get-go. Um, and I shouldn't say obviously, but it, but it wasn't there when I did the get-go. It wasn't there on that acoustic version of the song, which you can still find under Last Disaster's catalog. Um, it's called I Shine Though Worn. It's two acoustic songs, and that being one of them. And you'll, you'll see that that lyric isn't there in that little break between the verses. But you're right. There's one lyric on that song in the full band version on the college try where it says um say what you will reap what you sow after all is said and done after the days have come and gone i should have thought of something different from the get-go and it's really just a line about how i should have thought of a different band name that's really what that line is it's just like a clever funny little you know i should have thought of something different from the get-go i should have thought of a different name from the get-go because it had it kind of forced me to rebrand. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. There's there's already a band called that. Um, so yeah, that's the lyric, and uh, that's definitely one of those little callbacks to um, to the old school homies that follow. You know, I love it. I love when we can pick up on stuff like that. That that's super cool. Like obviously, you know, Last Disaster is kind of my first introduction into your music. So I didn't even know about your previous project before. So like. Now, Super low key. It's only on Bandcamp. It always was only on Bandcamp, and it, you know, within a couple of weeks after releasing it, I, I kind of discovered this other band um, that with the same name that made me want to change it. So uh, you didn't miss much, but that is a very very <laughs> small little piece of the puzzle for sure. Hell yeah! So let, let's just do a little bit of a di- uh, deep dive into the breakout plan. Um, so you mentioned you did guitars on it so then tony murphy recorded it and then mixed and did all the mastering as well yeah yeah uh, well he didn't master it uh okay john Nacliero uh from not a mastering um i i believe he's up in uh central or western new york if i'm not mistaken uh but uh, he did the mastering he's done all my mastering um He's just a pro, always getting it back to you quickly. But other than that, Tony did absolutely everything from engineering to mixing. <clears throat> and at that point, we sent it out to um, to John in New York with Nada mastering uh, to to finish it up. But um, Tony did all the engineering stuff. My buddy Glenn, actually Glenn and Tony sort of combined, uh, tracked the bass. It was mostly Glenn, but Tony helped plug in a couple of little discrepancies. Um, and Tony was helping with the songwriting. He always does um a little bit um and then on drums drums being my buddy james williams living in the tampa bay area uh just a a buddy that i i hung out with a lot when i was in college a really really close friend of mine he played drums um trying to think if oh yeah my buddy kevin herrera close friend kevin herrera did vocals backup vocals so yeah, it's been a, it's a nice little melting pot of, of different homies, um, kind of a rotating cast. It's always been like that. It's, it's usually like that with my shows. Um, but I definitely have a, a close group that I always defer to, um, whether it's for live purposes or, or even, you know, bouncing song ideas off of and seeing if they have any insight. It, it's always a group effort, even though it's people think it's just me. Um, it is in a way, you know, I'm writing the skeletons of these songs and, uh, you know, in terms of where the verses go and the choruses go, I'm kind of organizing the basics, but, um, it, it's my buddies that breathe life into it, um, a- alongside myself. It, it takes a village, you know? Hell yeah. And one thing I noticed, you mentioned your buddy, Kevin did kind of the backing vocals. 
his voice kind of sounds very similar to the dude that does the back and vocals Will, on yeah. on the college try. Like even though they're different people, like it still had exactly kind of similar a little bit vibe. of raspy, a little yeah. bit of raspiness to it. You know, a little bit of like the the Tom DeLonge vibe, which I love. You know, I, I think that you know being a pop punk band, I know my voice is going to do most of the lifting in terms of the pop element, and I try to br- I try to bring you know, other elements to, to balance that out with the punk vibe, because punk culture is really important to me. Um, you know, I think a lot of pop punk bands kind of, they take a lot of elements from the punk world and then they don't really, they kind of just go the route of like a pop band or a rock band. And, um, I, I try um, to kind you of definitely I, have that like <laughs> skate punk drum tone. Exactly. Man, like you kept fast, that you know, yeah. those D beats is what those, those fast uh, drum beats are called. And um, I, I'm always trying to like put some, put some love and respect on like the punk world because, you know, with TikTok and, and social media stuff as, as awesome of a resource as that is, I, I think that, you know, people, it, it changes people's ability to get gratification from their art. You know, they, they affiliate it so much with, you know, the numbers and and stuff like that. And you got to zoom out a little bit and just be like, listen, I'm making music because I love to make music and I would love to make music even if nobody else ever heard it. So I I think most musicians do feel that way in, in their heart of hearts, but you get distracted by, you know, the, the grind and the, the numbers and the content It has to happen. We have to make content today. So there's a balance, you know, and I, the punk element kind of keeps me grounded um, as far as Last Disaster goes. I, my other project, you know, Sick Enough, um, you know, it's funny. Last Disaster is kind of, I guess, more in the middle of these two projects st- stylistically, um, certainly more similar to, to Sick Enough than than Siesta. But Sick Enough is a little more uh, uh, of that that totally pop punk, very, very pop element um almost pop rock you know which is a as a fine line but I, I think that line is definitely um it's definitely kind of palpable you know that that line between pop rock and pop punk although sick enough is definitely dipping their toes into a little bit of both yeah i think it's if i had to classify sick enough it's like the new wave of pop punk like your mag parks and your 408s version of pop punk like Big time. i feel like it fits in that mold Big time, big time for sure. I, I definitely, you know, I think there's always a new and contemporary way of doing something classic. And, you know, for Last Disaster, you know, my biggest influences are somewhere between 2005 and 2010 pop punk, you know, you know, set your goals for your strong um, hit the lights is probably really one of my biggest influences. Um, Newfound glory, if I didn't say that already. Uh, but sick enough being a little bit more of that i feel like there's a lot of like simple plan in or even like a lot of the starting line vibes in sick enough um but it's just done with that 2020 you know that 2024 i guess now uh, twist you know that modern contemporary take on a classic product amen and we'll dive into that project as well um sure. but you know I'm, I'm a huge last disaster fan so i just want to keep pumping it yeah that's so. my baby last disaster is like that's the one that's closest to my heart for sure you know as much as much as i love those other projects you know amen so response has been killer for the breakout plan right like it's it's already at your top track on spotify yeah, like man. yeah you got 
you got hung over coming out and just giving you a shout out as well, which is no like way. Yeah, I actually, Orlando I don't legend. even think I saw that. I gotta, I gotta show some love. It's been a great. I have a trial that I'm prepping on Monday, so I've been like so not, you know, promoting it and like you know thanking people for giving me a shout out. But yeah, it's it's been awesome, and I love I love hungover. Those guys are such great folks. Um, it, it, the Orlando music scene is really awesome. You know, I'm, I'm down here in South Florida and there's, there's definitely pop punk bands down here, but it's not as popping off. You know, it's, it's hard to get, you know, asses and seats down here. Um, just cause most people are going to clubs and, um, you know, they're doing, they're going to see different type of music generally speaking, but uh, I love those guys and hungover and the reception has been good. You know, it's uh we're a pretty small band, you know, which is why the, you know, it's, it's so cool for, you guys to to have me on here not only once but a couple times but we're a small band and putting out the breakout plan i figured my goal really was to um to hit a thousand streams uh, within 28 days because 28 days is the is like sort of the month metric that spotify uses to give you um and we're already at a thousand plays you know after i think seven days or eight days at least you know it, it's been out now for eight or nine days but it, it hit a thousand streams yesterday or the day before and I was like, man, that's awesome. I know I was just talking about how streams and numbers, it's easy to get lost in, but, um, that's, that's important. You know, it's, people are checking it out. People are all of a sudden a little more privy to last disaster than they were just a month or two ago. I think we had like 80 monthly listeners around Christmas and now we've got like over 500. Obviously that's a little bit of the, uh, of like the new music bump. Right. But um, I didn't expect a thousand plays after only a week. Um, I think that's pretty good for, for somebody where I'm at. Um, especially when I'm not as active as I would like to be, but hopefully that can change. You know, I, I'd like to put out another song before the end of 2024. Dude, sometimes your, your stream numbers upset me because it's criminally underrated how sick last <laughs> ah, <laughs> dude, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that, but, uh, everything's relative, right? And especially now that, now that I am in other projects, bigger projects, um, as far as that stuff goes, it's easy to kind of scratch my head and be like, man, what is, you know, what am I doing wrong with last disaster? Like how could, but honestly, when, when I really kind of, again, zoom out a little bit and take it for what it is, I'm so stoked that anybody's listening to last disaster. I mean, that's, a, that's a lot of, you know, a thousand, a thousand's a big number. Um, and I, I, that's not lost on me. I think that's really cool that people are listening to, to, local artists and they're not afraid to support bands that they don't know personally but they're listening to them anyways because they popped up on some you know for you radar or radio i don't know how that stuff you know watch list radar stuff but you know it pops up and people instead of skipping it like which is which i'm sure a lot of people do they listen to it and they say to themselves man this this band that I've never heard of and that has like almost no monthly listeners they're they're pretty good. I'll give them a follow because it's not all about, um, it's not about all about the brand. It's not all about, um, you know, engagement and stuff like that. That stuff's a big part of it. But if you write good music or if you write music that at least is relatable to some people, uh, it'll find its way to their ears, you know, and that's, that's something that the breakout plan has kind of taught me over the past, uh, seven, eight, nine days. So, what was the writing process like for this song? Like where was your head at? Like what was the inspiration for the song and the lyrics? Since yeah, man. I'm assuming you did all of it. So yeah, I you know. did. I did. Um, so it's, it's funny that you, you ask because really when I first started writing this song, um, 
technically speaking, I, I first started writing this song like when I was 19 or 20 years old, maybe even before that, although probably not. 19, 20 sounds about right. Um, and you know, now I'm about I'm about to turn 28 on February 22nd. Um, so it, 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 some of this chorus and some of these little lines in the verses were in like an old journal I had from when I lived in uh, in like a dorm in, in college um, that I recently sort of discovered as I moved from my parents' place during the pandemic while I was in like virtual law school, which sucked. Um, in the process from moving there to my new place, um, I kind of discovered this old composition book. So classic, like an old black and white spotted composition book. Uh, and I'm flipping through it. I'm like, what is this? And it said, do, do not open on the cover. You know, I'm like, what is this? I'm flipping through it. It's like old lyrics that I used for like my old band and, and stuff like that. Um, but there's also stuff that, uh, that I never really used, including, um, some of some of this lyrical content, a lot of the chorus really it was mainly the chorus. So I just built around it ever since I kind of rediscovered that composition book maybe a year or a year and a half ago. I was like, let me turn this into a song. This kind of goes hard. It, it was in particular, I think the line that was sort of set in stone first, you know, from all those years ago was um, the end of you know the end of the chorus, you know, uh, or the whole chorus. Uh, the whole course pretty much was in there and I thought it was a really good course. I was like, I could build a couple of verses around this and, um, and, you know, tie a nice bow on it. I just have to figure out where it's going, you know, what song it's going to be, you know, the instrumentals and whatnot. So usually the instrumental stuff comes first for me in this particular case, it was a, a chorus that I wrote on my composition book, like almost 10 years ago, um, that I brushed off and turned into a new song. But it's it, it's as far as the uh, you know the name of the song and the artwork, uh, I try to kind of incorporate whatever I'm doing in like either my academic life or my professional life. In this in this particular case, um, you know the college try that artwork and that uh, that title were were inspired by where I was in my life when I was writing those songs. Um, you know, I was in college, obviously, and pursuing a, a degree to ultimately go to law school. But this time, I I kind of figured, well, I'm I'm not in school anymore. I'm working as a public defender in uh, in South Florida, and you know I'm I'm big into you know advocacy and and trying to I'm, I'm big into like prison reform and stuff like that. Uh, it, so what better way to kind of add a splash of my day to day into my art than, than by incorporating something like a, a dude breaking out of a jail cell. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, that's sort of where that comes from, but yeah. Hell yeah. That now we can just expect all a bunch of new last disaster songs from this composition notebook that you found. Yeah, no, there's not, there wasn't too much unused stuff in there. Um, there was some unused stuff in there, but there was, I should say this, there's, there wasn't too much unused stuff that didn't also suck, you know? So, <laughs> but there was this one chorus that I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Skip it down on all friends. Plowing suffocate. And I even had like the melody in my head too. So, uh, it was easy to, it was easy to turn into a, a full song. Hell yeah. So let's talk some, uh, some plans from last for last disaster. Um, are, are you trying to, play more shows other than the one that I hinted at at the end of June? Big time, big time. Um, 
I'm playing a show on my birthday this year in here in South Florida at Black Flamingo Brewery. Um, it, it's being hosted by this uh, this booking agency called Equinox Booking. Uh, they're, they're a really popping agency down here. They're one of the couple of really big ones that I sort of look up to and admire. Uh, Break Even Booking is another one down here. But Equinox is booking me for February 22nd um, with a few other local artists. Uh, I would like to get back on the road for sure. Um, and I think that's something that I'm going to look to do this summer. Uh, summer's just the best time if you're a Floridian, like to plan to get out of town because like right now I love the weather in Florida. I, I love being in Florida. I love Florida in general, but I'd much rather be in like 65, 70, 75 degree weather here in the, in February, uh, than be stuck in the hundred degree weather, uh, 90% humidity, in june july so hopefully june july i can find my way up north a little bit get a little bit of cooler air cooler breeze and um and play some shows for sure i I guess you know with your your big boy job that time off is is a little bit harder to get than yeah yes and no you'd be surprised i mean being a public defender it's i I don't want to get lost in the weeds of like nerd lawyer talk but being a public defender is cool because it's gratifying you're you're representing people who who don't have money to hire some fancy schmancy lawyer um but uh what what is cool about it is that it's very much a team game it's a big big office everybody's kind of in it for the same reasons they're trying to make a difference in people's lives um we do get a good benefits you know and that includes paid time off. Um, it's really just a matter of making sure, you know, I, I have a harder time with myself and, and like my clientele, you know, just telling myself, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll take a week off. Um, I have, I have the t- I have the PTO, whatever. And I usually find a way to use it, but I just have to be strategic in terms of minimizing the inconvenience on my clientele. You know, it's not lost on me that, you know, it's, it's really their livelihood at stake. I think it's important to take vacations. I think it's important to shut it down once in a while so that you could do your best job when you're, you know, in the courtroom and, and, you know, being an advocate. Um, but I, I'm just very careful when I do PTO because, you know, a, a public defender's office is always going to be understaffed and, you know, I don't, I don't want to take advantage, but, um, I'm definitely, you know, I'm definitely in a good spot when it comes to PTO. So it's, it should be not too difficult to, to get time on the road or it, and it's a financial thing too, you know, with the level of a band that I'm at, um, you know, I usually end up renting a van and it's, I, I can, you know, I broke even on that, that run we did with overthinker. Um, and we were a little bit in, in, in the positive, but, uh, it, it's just tough to get the financial resources to, to make that investment in the first place. Especially because I'm trying to pay my guys too, the guys that are filling in for my band. You know, it's it's not like these are people that are in the band and they get a lot out of Last Disaster. They really don't. I'm, I know they enjoy it. I try to make sure that they enjoy it. Um, but I'm not going to ask somebody to take time off of their job unless I can pay them something. And, and even what I am paying them is probably still too little for what they deserve. But I mean, these are my buddies, and they're making a compromise, which I really appreciate. But um, because I'm trying to pay out my band members to some extent and because I'm trying to, you know, rent that van and make sure that we have a place to sleep every night, you know, that ultimately will fall on my shoulders. So I just want to be prepared. And, um, I think this summer should be, uh, should be a time for me. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly in the process of, um, figuring out a good time for me to do it. Um, so I'm pretty confident that I'll be getting on the road sometime in July, August, it looks like. Hell I will yeah. say that like it's always like a good thing when you come back from tour and you at least break even. 
Yeah, exactly. And that, that definitely makes it a, a little less painful for sure. Um, but it's, it's harder to do that, right? When I'm paying out four guys, yep. um, I'm, I'm very uninterested in like making a profit from it, especially because I have merch, you know, which, yeah. um, it, it kind of goes towards the band fund uh, and, and I'll dip into that fund to, to pay a fair, something close to fair. Really fair is not the word. Cause again, people in DIY music, people in music in general tend to be underpaid. Um, especially in our world for sure. Yeah. But it, it's harder to break even when, you know, it, it, the expenses all fall on, on one guy's shoulders and it's, it's mine. Um, I, I don't really keep a band account. I probably should, but I'm like, what's the point? It's all, it's all my account anyways, you know? So, um, but yeah, I, I think that when you have the ability to kind of make a little bit of money back, part of that comes with just playing with good bands, good locals when you're on the road. Um, that definitely makes it a little bit less of a scary thing uh, when you're mm-hmm. in the planning stages. Yeah. And I, I, I know we talked about this with the overthinker boys, but you know, you, you got to come up to North Carolina and play Winston Salem, which was my first time going to the den and instantly became like my favorite venue. And they luckily have a bigger and more like legitimate space now. Yeah. But it was still just like such a cool dude. Those I, guys I are the like best. Cow show vibe, but the like best. It's yeah, such a sweet spot. I, I would love to check out the new the new one, and I'm definitely gonna reach out for sure. Um, like I said, uh, I, I'm I'm gonna do a similar run. You know, East Coast is just the way to go. I'm trying to get familiar in certain markets, um, especially the ones that we had such a great time in uh, last year when we were on the road with Overthinker. Um, the Den was, I think, the first show we played, and it was such an awesome kickoff. Uh, I'm forgetting the guy's name, and I hate that I'm forgetting his name because I want to give him a shout out. But the guy who runs the Den um, is such a like great guy. Uh, I think he's got his, his, his wife and his kid and they're running around and they're, they're, you know, having fun and it's, it's awesome. It's just a really, really cool, uh, depiction of a, a unique scene in, in what I would consider the middle of North Carolina, although I'm sure that's not a fair assessment of Winston-Salem, but, um, no, it you know, definitely feels Winston-Salem's a place I'd never even heard of before like playing there, you know? And, and I mean, you know, I mean that with the utmost respect, but I, I had never really heard of Winston-Salem before I played there with uh, a previous band of mine, Bad Year. Um, and because it's been such a, a great experience every time I've been there, I, I try to make it a regular spot uh, when I go. Yeah. So shout out Tony. Tony's the guy that runs it. He's nice. also in a super sick band. If you're, looking yes i have one of his shirt i have his shirt uh what's the band called again all my circuits all my circuits i think i have a shirt for all my circuits that i bought when i was at the at the den he was telling me a little bit about it yeah they're sick they played actually year two of bar down breakfast and uh we we will be going back to the den end of june as well (laughs) let's go hell yeah that's awesome great guy tony's a great guy (laughs) oh shit yeah and also april yeah we're either april (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome man that's awesome yeah I, I i need to get back up there i need to check out his new spot and um yeah he's a great guy I really appreciate uh all the all the people in that position that are taking chances on smaller bands you know last disaster going on tour might not be the most practical thing in some people's eyes it might not be so lucrative and that's not really the point and um you know he was one of these guys that took a chance on us to book us paid us out you know treated us amazingly and what more can you ask for? That's just DIY hospitality right there, you know? Yeah, seriously. And 
the light setup and the sound. So sick. So, so sick. The so sound sick. was awesome. First and foremost, that's the most important thing, right? Because um, how often do you go to a, a DIY venue and, um, and you know, the sound is subpar. The sound was sick there. It was, like, amazing. And, um, and the light show was just a, a, a beautiful bonus to all that. Yeah, he does it right. So I haven't checked out the new spot yet, but I've heard even better things. So I'm super pumped to go there in April now that Justin brings it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. That show hasn't officially been announced. Like the date has been announced and the location, but the lineup is sick as well for that right. overthinker and uh, out of time show. So definitely stay tuned for that that announcement. That's probably coming any day now. Nice, nice. My, I'll be uh, anxiously awaiting that announcement. Justin's like looking at his calendar and Justin, nope, don't worry. We didn't pick a date yet. So you nice. didn't miss anything. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Between that one. And then the, I'm more, I'm so dude, I'm, I'm so excited for the announcement of the South Carolina show. Yeah. It's not going to be fucking gnarly, but yeah, I, I saw out of time, just announced some shows. Um, right. In late yeah. March, early April. Yeah. We're doing, um, I don't want to pull everything over to out of time, but we're doing a, a quick March run in for Florida. Um, the 22nd through the 24th. And then April we're doing the 12th through the 14th. We're up in the Carolinas. Sure. Um, and then we have another one that we're announcing at the end of April um, for a fest that we're doing up in Maryland with Ballyhoo. Sick. Oh, I saw that flyer. I saw that flyer. Ballyhoo's awesome. Ballyhoo is actually one of the first, um, like punk ish bands that I ever saw. It was this like music festival in Hollywood, Florida. I think it was in t- 2009 or 2010. Yeah. Uh, I saw Real Big Fish and Goldfinger and Ballyhoo played, which is sort of on brand for, for Ballyhoo. I think almost like surfy California ska punk type vibes. Um, but yeah, that was, it was randomly one of the first bands I saw in, in this punk world. And Ballyhoo's not like one of my top five artists, but I'll never yeah. remember. I'll, I'll, excuse me, I'll never forget seeing people kind of jam out to them, and I was so enamored by that. It's so it's, funny. I, I, I didn't like, know they were around that for that long. Dude, yeah, no, they were forever. Oh yeah, they're an old band. I think. I mean, I I don't think they were brand new even back then. I th- I think they had like been around. I feel like. Uh, because Bally was very much like a like a reggae punk, a yeah, little bit of they exactly. have like a little bit of that kind of like obviously just because of reggae they have a little bit of that ska influence. But yeah. I feel like ska is is everyone's gateway drug into like pop punk. Oh, dude, for sure punk. it was for me. And, and and if that's true, then a lot of people don't like. I I think you're right, Justin, but if that's true, and I suspect that it is, a lot of people are hiding the cards and are making it seem like they never had a ska phase. And ska was Everybody had a ska phase. big time, dude. That was my uh, definitely my gateway into like pop punk. I was a ska kid before I was a pop punk kid for sure. Um, and I still love ska, uh, especially like third wave ska, but also like the tune tone old school stuff, the two tone old school stuff, toasters, the specials, yeah. um, madness is a great band. I love ska and I could honestly talk for hours about ska because it's, it's something that's such, it's such a sentimental thing to me. It's such a nostalgic thing to me. Um, and it's, uh, it's something that's a little underrepresented here in South Florida, but there are some great ska bands, uh, 
There's which is crazy too because yeah. i remember especially like in, in it used to be Miami, the best it used to be the best dude they had the biggest ska scene down there and that's yeah. what got me into like going to shows was me just too, catching man. all these ska shows in the area there were so um, many great ska bands dude shout out to like shout out to um enrique's revenge shout mm-hmm. out to uh funk man's inferno you know, there's there's so many great ska bands from way back in the day. The 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 scandals. Yes, the uh, scandals. There there's a ton, dude. There's just so many the, amazing ska bands in South Florida at that time. There was one band I'll never forget. Um, the singer had like a like a hand phone, like one of those old landline phones. <laughs> yeah. And he converted it into like a microphone, and he would just sing into the phone, like he was yelling into the phone. That's so punk, you know. And some of the most punk people I've ever met. Are stock people? One hundred percent. They're the most like willing to get their hands dirty, like get a little crazy. They got their crazy pork pie hats on and the suspenders, no shirt on, like crazy shit, you know. But man, Scott, Scott's a cool thing, and I wish more. In the algorithm world, I think that mixed genre content, especially mixed genre shows. Uh, are fewer and farther between but those are my mm-hmm. favorite and i know some people roll their eyes at mixed genre shows um i know that there's some logistical issues to it you know maybe all the ska kids are outside when the hardcore bands are playing or when the pop punk bands are playing you know the the other folks are outside smoking their cigarettes or whatever but i i love the idea of mixed genre shows and if it's done right you can you can get good bands from every genre and you know yeah maybe some people aren't into the ska if they came for the pop punk or the the, you know the indie stuff but you know when it's a bunch of pop punk bands or when it's a bunch of one type of genre bands there's a lot of people that are coming that would have come anyways even if you know i I don't know how to describe it but when there's like a pop punk band and a metalcore band or a pop punk band and a hardcore band pop punk band brings the pop punk kids the local pop punk kids and the hardcore band brings the local hardcore kids you know and that's that's good for everybody then everybody can eat and then everybody's getting a better payout at the end of the night you know so um but uh it's definitely a different world down here there's a great ska band down here called fuakata and they play with they play with a lot of band uh bands that are you know more in the punk world which makes sense for sure but i'd love to see ska be a little more strongly represented down here um because it was for sure up until not too long ago yeah year two of uh bar down breakfast was as mixed genre of a bill as you can even I imagine <laughs> i love like that we had ska we had shoegaze we had punk we had and pop punk we had hardcore awesome, and, and, and again some people are always going to roll their eyes because there's always going to be you know part of part of that is going to come with you know, there's gonna more. The more genres you have, the more opportunity there are for some people to to not like the genre of a band that's playing. You know, but I, I think there's far more benefits than detriments to having a good mixed genre lineup. And I, and I hope that was the case for Bar Down Breakfast too, because I wasn't uh, I wasn't fortunate enough to be there. Yeah, everyone was out supporting, no matter who was on the stage. It was that's how it was the first one. I mean, th- it was a little less of a mixed genre thing, but I loved that. That first bar down breakfast in uh, in Orlando with uh, Will's Pub and Uncle Lou's, people were just making that. They were getting their steps in, just like one venue yeah. to the other. It was so so awesome. And the um, punk migration on Mills that day was just- yeah, it was insane. It was really really sick. And uh, you know, we played. I think we opened up the show right. Yeah, oh, last yeah. semester opened things up at Uncle Lou's and. 
Um, we expected people to trickle in, you know, we're just happy to be there. Um, but man, like there was a ton of people there for the start of the show. It was so, so cool. Uh, and man, that was, that was such an awesome time for last disaster. Like I said, we don't play shows so, so frequently. Um, and that was one that immediately stick, you know, comes to mind as like highlight of uh, live show memories. I remember Mikey and I were watching your set at uncle Lou's and we just saw how many people were in there when you were yeah, playing like, and we just kind of made eye contact with each other. We were you like, guys gave each other that look. Like, oh, we did it. This is like, working. <laughs> we kind of rule. We're kind of awesome. We're like, we, we kind of, I think we did it. Yeah, no, that, and that for, I think everybody, you know, had that moment with one of the homies they came with. Like there was that moment where I looked at, you know, my guys in my band on stage and I was like, yo, like, this is kind of lit. Like, this is not what we expected. Um, but, you know, for me, I, again, you know, I have my, I have my, you know, my day job. And I'm fortunate to say that I, I can always go into a musical environment, like a show or something with, you know, very, this, this sounds kind of glass half empty, but I, I always go in with very, you know, limited expectations, almost no expectations. And then it's not because I'm trying to make a, a real estimate of how the show is going to go. It's just that like, I, I almost just don't care. Like I have the privilege of just not caring because yeah. I know that when I plug in and, and I play with my guys and it's just going to be fun, you know, that's first and foremost, you know, that that's the primary objective and I know it's going to be accomplished. So how stressed do, how stressed, you know, should I be after that, you know? Um, and when you go into a show with that mentality, there's nowhere to go, but, up. you know, like I said, for, for that show, even for the tour that we did with overthinker, I was expecting, you know, I was really managing my expectations, which, you know, we all do and we all should do, but I was just so blown away at that first, uh, you know, bar down break fest. And there were so many people in the room. We had never played Orlando before. Um, and it was just like, man, like this is so, so sick. I, I can't believe that I kind of just assumed that there would be like half as many people. Here. I assumed there would be a, a third of as many people here. Um, and I was so wrong to assume that, but I'm so glad I was wrong, you know, and, and that's, that's always a, a nice feeling, you know, when you're on stage. Yeah. And it was like still like sunny and hot out. So like the fact that so many people showed up as early as they did is just like, that's just Florida huge, though, Mikey. Yeah. Like, Floridians yeah. are, we'll complain about the heat, but like our, our threshold for, for what's uncomfortable is much higher than a lot of folks. Like we, we got no choice when it's summer, you got to go outside, you know? So, uh, I definitely remember working up a sweat. I think I was actually wearing a, a hoodie if I'm not mistaken. You were. I do that a lot. I'm a, you I'm probably a, were. I'm a long sleeve <laughs> no, guy. He was, I'm he was definitely cold. rocking a Canadian's hoodie. Yeah. I'm, I'm always, I'm always cold, you know? So I, I just like to layer up and if I have to take off a layer, I will, you know, but, uh, that's just the Floridian in me, you know? Amen. I feel like, I feel like the Floridian in us is when we look at like the news and we see, Oh, massive heat wave going on in the Northeast. And you're like, Oh, what's the heat wave getting up to? And it's like 92 degrees. And we're like, that's a fucking spring for us. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Give me a break. Yeah, exactly. Yo, I, I, I hate to divert. Okay. But this is a hockey podcast, and I need to – I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan, big time, right? Mikey, you're an Islanders fan, and you guys just got a really interesting new head coach, and it's working out better than I would have expected with Patrick Waugh 
uh, Montreal Canadiens legend, a very divisive personality. But um, I loved to see that hiring. I, I think he's an exciting guy. I'm, I'm, you know, he was in the conversation when uh, Montreal was looking for a head coach before we got Mark, Martin, uh, Marty St. Louis. Um, but I, I love Marty St. Louis. I'm glad we went with him. But I'm, it's nice to see Patrick Waugh back in the league. I think the NHL is a more entertaining place with him in the league. He's already becoming a fan favorite. Like he of is, course, yeah. he's yeah, got personality, you know, that's the yeah. one thing he's never lacked, uh, maybe even to a fault. But I, I think he's, yeah, I think he even said something about how, when he left Colorado, he, he expected to get some more phone calls, you know, but he kind of, the way he stormed out, kind of stomping his foot right before the season started in Colorado. Um, you know, I, he, he even said very recently, yeah, I, I kind of overestimated my chances in getting a job out after that. And, uh, it was a learning lesson for me. Uh, that's not something that you know Patrick Waugh, the player, would have had the wherewithal to you know say, especially to the media. Yeah. So he's he's clearly grown. He's an old guy. I mean, I, he's an older guy. You know, he's my dad's age or clo- you know close to it. But um, that's going to be exciting, especially uh, you know once I, the Islanders are are making a, a playoff battle for sure. Because he's a he's the guy you want behind the bench during a, a contentious playoff series. And he says the right thing so far. Like when the team plays like shit and like isn't really like gelling, he's gonna he's gonna call it out. Where Islander fans want to hear that, right? Like they they don't want to hear like, oh, we just had bad puck luck tonight. You know, the the boys played great, but we had bad puck puck, puck luck. And it's like that's such a cop out response. And I know hockey people tend to sound like robots when they're talking to the media and they always say the same things. And Patrick Waugh so far has not like he he's kind of come out and said it as, as we're seeing it as well. And that guy's never going to give you scripted, you know, cookie cutter answers. And again, sometimes to a fault, you know, sometimes maybe he should resort to a vanilla response when, when he doesn't. But like I said, he's got, he's found that compromise. It seems. And I think that, you know, those cop out answers, those are unacceptable answers from, from guys that are making millions of dollars. Um, you know, this yeah. isn't an entertainment business. And I think a, a market like the Islanders, you know, that, that really is the last great dynasty, um, in, in terms of stuff that will probably never get sniffed ever again. That's the last great dynasty of the NHL. You know, I, I, again, as a Canadians fan, there's not a whole lot of memorabilia I have that isn't Canadians related. Um, but I, I've, I've got like, uh, that that insane that beautiful picture of Denny Potvin lifting this, his fourth consecutive Stanley Cup as the captain of the Islanders. That's just like that's what the sport is all about—the legacy and and you know the pursuit for greatness. So when you have when you have some guy that is is giving these vanilla answers, and it's either it can be a player or it can be a coach, it gets frustrating. And I think that that's warranted. I think that frustration is warranted. Um, and that goes doubly for a, a franchise like you know the Canadians, um, but but also for the Islanders. They don't have that quantity of Stanley Cups that's you know the Detroit's or or the Montreal's have. But that the, the fact that you know the, those what is it? I think it was 80, 81, 82, 83, or maybe it was eighty one, eighty two, eighty three, eighty four. I forget. Um, that's the that's the last like untouchable streak of championships and. That fans of a, of any team are gonna resort to their legacy. That's part of what makes fandom fun. Um, when you have Patrick Waugh driving the bus, you know, you'll, like I said, the dynasty days are over. Even consecutive cups are almost unheard of. 
Um, what the Tampa Bay Lightning did getting to the finals three times in a row, winning it twice is just insane. But um, yeah, I, I think that the Islanders need to, to needed to shake something up and, you know, swapping out your coach for somebody like Patrick Wall, what better way is there to do that? You don't have to, you know, screw up the locker room too much, you know, if at all. Um, you're just kind of injecting this legendary presence um, who happens to be unafraid of speaking his mind. You know, what, but what he also has like the buy-in of the fans and the players too. Like he's oh, yeah. like, even within like a couple games of him being there, like even Anders Lee was like, the guys are picking it up and the guys respect him and he has our buy-in. And then the fans also really enjoy him too. Anders Lee is one of the most underrated leaders in the NHL. Um, and, and I, I think that it's a lot easier to buy into your coach when you when your captain is a good communicator, because mm-hmm. that's, that's sort of, you know, he's the guy that's tethering, you know, Tether's not the right word, but he he's off in that line of communication between player and he's like the liaison. Yeah, aside you know, and along with maybe some assistant coaches and stuff like that. But yeah, he's the liaison for sure. Um, he's a great leader. I'm not surprised that that he feels that way though. I'm not surprised that anybody on that roster would feel that way because it's it's similar to Martin St. Louis. You know, this guy's done it. This this guy's won championships, and he's he didn't do it by being a depth guy, which you know, plenty of coaches are are. A lot of coaches were really just depth guys in their playing careers. Some of the best coaches, but um, you, your credibility is a little different when you're Patrick Waugh. When you've yeah. when you've won, you know, I think it was two Stanley Cups with each team. I think when you've won four Stanley Cups and you've been that guy to put the team on your back uh, in, in 1993, a Canadians team that probably shouldn't have gotten to the finals most most overtime wins in the history of the Stanley cup playoffs, the 1993 Montreal Canadians beating the Wayne Gretzky LA Kings. And that was more than anyone else, Patrick Waugh. Um, and he had a similar role on those Colorado championships. So, so when you're a player, how can you not have a good first impression when, when this guy's, you know, maybe he, he might be, you know, a little bit of piss and vinegar once in a while, but, when you're a player, you have to swallow that pill. Okay, I'm going to listen to what this guy says at least, at least by default, unless he gives me a reason to to think that he's full of it. I have no choice but to assume that this guy knows what he's talking about. He's won championships, multiple of them, and he had a significant yeah. role in the in those uh, in those wins. So that that's uh, that's something that Mon- that Montreal has seen a little bit with St. Louis. You know, probably the greatest undrafted player of all time. Uh, again, I'm just saying off rip, but he's got to be top three, top five greatest. Uh, top five is, it doesn't even sound right. Top three for sure. Greatest undrafted players of all time, Marty St. Louis. Um, and he's been that depth guy and you know, not to, not to bounce around from the aisles, aisles to the Canadians, but um, they're actually kind of in similar positions. I think the Canadians are a little farther from success than the aisles are, but um you know, both teams were making playoff pushes a couple of years ago, and both teams are sort of slowing down um, for different reasons. But uh, they both have similar coaches right now in the sense that their credibility stems from, stems from the same thing, from their experience as a player. So um, it, it's, it's think- an exciting time to be an NHL fan. I love the, I love hockey, and it's such an awesome sport, and I, I think it's growing a lot for, you know, for the better. Hey, amen. But I, I think what's most underrated about the move is that Patrick Waugh is like one of the most historic goaltenders in the current NHL, right? He, he's like, an argument to be made that he's the greatest goaltender of all time. I, I don't yeah. know if I agree with that, but but there's for sure an argument to be made. I, I wouldn't even blink at, at that if somebody said it. 
Yeah. And right now, our franchise goalie has kind of underperformed. Like, you know, for the common NHL fan, they might say, oh, yeah, you know, Sorokin's having a good year, like when they look at his numbers. Yeah. But if you ask an Islander fan, it's kind of a down year for him. Like he's letting in some fluky goals that he hasn't ever let in before. And yeah. And he's got to be in, smoked. He's got to be like over the moon. Patrick Waugh's my new coach. You know, that's yeah, what I, I mean. Like ha- having a guy like him in the locker room. And then first of all, the, the Varley and, and Waugh connection, like Varley was yeah, Colorado yeah. in Colorado yeah. the last year. So like from the goaltending perspective, wow, it makes about that. So, much so much sense. Yeah. So much sense. Like this is like Sorokin is locked in long-term. Like that's our goalie. And the last thing you want to see is a guy after he signs a big extension worth millions of dollars is to just go on the decline and slow down and let his foot off the the gas. So like having Wah come in, like just having his ear at every practice like that, you can't like overlook that. Yeah. I I think that's a huge move. Is is that, that, that is a really good point. That's a, that's actually kind of a crazy point because it's so true. And, you know, how often do we see a disconnect between a head coach and or really coaching staff in general and, and the goaltending position? They usually hire a goalie goalie coach nowadays, which they did not used to do 10 years ago. And uh, or maybe 10 years ago they did. But 15 years ago, most teams didn't have a goalie coach. Now, almost every team does have one. And it's kind of enabled in a, in a negative way. It's enabled that disconnect between head coach and goalie. Um, which, which makes it a little bit more difficult for that head coach to, to make decisions. Who's going in tonight? You know, what, what conversations do I have with this guy who's struggling? What conversation could I have with some, with, with somebody who plays a position that I, I know nothing about most, most head coaches know nothing about the goaltending position. You're playing a different sport back there. And you're, you're so right. This, this is not that situation. I can't really think of so many goalies that became head coaches. I mean, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm missing some, but it, it's interesting to see Patrick Waugh be that former legendary goalie for these guys that, especially Sorokin, who has the potential to be a legendary goalie and kind of potential is not even fair. He's, he's had amazing, you know, displays of, of talent and skill mm-hmm. um, in recent years, especially in, in recent playoff pushes. He, he, he's a, he's a real playoff performer. I think if I'm recalling correctly. Oh but, yeah. Uh, and what he did in the KHL is like unreal too. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm, I, I don't, I don't, I follow other leagues a lot actually, but not so much the KHL. Um, I, I follow a lot of teams in, in Europe where there's like Canadians prospects and stuff like that. You don't see that so, so much in the KHL, especially right now. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, those, those Russian guys, when they're playing over in Europe and they're playing on different ice surfaces, KHL is mostly NHL ice surfaces. If I, if I recall, but, um, there's not consistency. They don't, they don't play on one regulation rink. Every, um, every town that you go to, every city that you go to has maybe Olympic size, maybe, um, uh, maybe NHL size. So when you're a goalie dealing with those, uh, with those various contexts of making a game saving, you know, play and making a six save that maybe nobody expected you to make. Um, that's where you get your reps right overseas. But, uh, when you come here, that's, that's the real deal. I, I often feel like sometimes people overestimate, you know, some guy kills it in, in juniors or some guy kills it over in Europe 
and they say to themselves, oh my God, he's going to come over and he's going to light it up. Um, that often does not translate. Um, but I think for goalies, uh, it, it's it's a little easier to make that comparison. And he's somebody that did play in, in those overseas leagues, I guess in the KHL more than others. Um, yeah, like b- both New York goalies right now crushed it in the KHL first. Just but sure. when those guys played in the KHL, it was a better league. I, I don't think the yeah. KHL is such a good league anymore. Again, especially with what's going on right now, a lot of players don't want to go there. A lot of skilled, um, you know, exports don't want to play in Russia. Uh, they've got the Mitchkovs of the world. They've got these amazing, skilled young kids. But I think that when guys like Varlamov, especially, was playing in the KHL, it, it was a more talented league. It was a more skilled league. Mm-hmm. Now the yeah, skill has sort of dissipated to you know out into Western Europe. I feel like you had like you had you know the the caps for instance they were gushing over Samsonov when they drafted him over right and yeah Ilya he really Samsonov. didn't do too well on Man, the I caps remember that. yeah um especially being under I think what they got rid of Gruby yeah Grubauer. Grubauer, right after the championship year if I'm not mistaken they swapped they they traded, yeah they swapped uh, him out and then Gruby went on to win with the uh, the Abs the Abs and the Colorado Avalanche yeah. um. But yeah, like I don't. I feel like I feel like to your point, like the KHL has kind of like been a little bit in a decline, especially when it comes to goalies, because we used to overhype a lot of the goalies and players that would come over. Yeah, and it's but not recently, just goalies. It's it's it, that 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 league used to be the second best league handily in the world. Yeah. I don't even think it's top five now. No, and we're seeing we're seeing some of these other leagues kind of come up out of nowhere and actually yeah. like produce and like grow the Swiss the league. nobody ever love. thought of the swiss league as being a top five league it's it's a it's probably top five and it might not even be number five you know i mm-hmm. off the top of my head I, I think the ahl is a top five league which it didn't used to be um I, I don't know if it's number two i think number two is probably sweden maybe maybe finland in in that top three or top five um, but the Swiss league is, is apparently, you know, on, on the up and up. And again, it's because these, these exports that were previously p- playing in Russia, um, are, are kind of migrating out West until, until the tides settle, um, in Russia where the money might be a little bit better, but the, the situation is just makes yeah. people uneasy for, for obvious reasons. Um, I, I, the Canadians actually have a prospect playing in, in Swiss right now, an Austrian prospect, uh, David Reinbacher, fifth overall pick last year. Um, he was the first defenseman drafted and, uh, he, he seems like a really sweet kid, but he's, he's, he's a total stalwart defenseman over in Swiss. And I think it's, it's harder to play defense, um, positionally in Europe because it's wider ice. It's, it's more opportunities for the forwards to make a move on you. Uh, yeah. but when those defensemen come over to North America, there's a physical physicality question because you are playing more you know, man on man a little bit, uh, over here, or at least you're, you're playing the body more than your, you know, stick on puck type of defense. Um, but position, th- that's where your IQ as a defenseman comes from is position wise, you know, where are you supposed to be in certain position, uh, in certain, you know, contexts. Yeah. And, um, and this Swiss league seems to be a great place for this kid to ruminate. I mean, you know, top five pick playing in, in Switzerland. I, I don't think we've seen a whole lot of top five NA, uh, NHL draft picks, playing in switzerland to develop up no they've all been coming from the ohl yeah exactly but in this in this past you know since the covid era um it's yeah. really changed uh the landscape big 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 time and uh, one thing that uh i've loved to see the dust settle on is um is women's hockey 
You know, there's a lot of question marks around women's hockey uh, in the last three years. Uh, COVID really, really hurt women's hockey, I think. Um, The fact that there was two competing leagues, I think, was was tough, was difficult. Um, But now we have the PWHL, and they are absolutely killing it. I don't love the way they've branded the teams. It's just like they they just have like the city names. but uh, once once they add a little bit of personality into the into the franchises themselves, um, I think it's going to blow up even more than it already has. I mean, we're seeing crazy crazy attendance for the women. Um, you know, thirteen thousand plus. Uh, that's that's a huge number. That's oh, yeah. a number that you know. So, there's been NHL games where there's been lesser attendance, um, and and that's that's pretty amazing considering people are always going to knock on women's hockey just because they're not the boys. And I think that's ridiculous. I, I, I've watched a couple of the PW PWHL games. It's physical. It's super skilled. It's super fast. It, it's, it's in a lot of ways, it's faster than the men's game. Um, Cause the, the girls are more nimble and uh, they rely so much on their agility, but um it's 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 people that aren't just casual fans going to these games these are people who yeah. you know love you know maybe parents taking their their daughters out to the pwhl game just to check out um the pro talent and show their their kids hey listen this is what being a pro hockey player looks like for you um if you love hockey and this is what you want to do for a living like it's it's not it's not unrealistic like it was a few years ago which is sad but uh, the Montreal Canadiens have somebody on their uh, on their staff, uh, Marie Philippe Poulin, and she's probably the great. She's probably like the goat for women's hockey. Um, and you know, there, there's. I, I'd rather watch. I guess I sh- I, I don't want to name some guys in the NHL that I think suck at hockey, but uh, I think there's this idea that you know men, a men's hockey game is is worth watching over a women's hockey game by default. But there's plenty of guys on these men's rosters that that don't have the skill that the women have. It's just yeah. it, it's not even close. It's not even close. I mean, physicality is always a, a question, but again, that's not that's not something that the PWHL. Uh, leaves to be wanted now. They're, these these girls are hitting each other. They're they're supposed to be a non checking league, but the like I, I don't really get the rules because they are hitting each other, and and it's cool to see because they want to. They want to play physical, um, and it's uh, it's entertaining, man. I definitely suggest to everybody who's anybody who's watching this that that likes hockey, uh, check out the PWHL because um, it, I'm sure you'll like what you see. I, I know you will. I think a way that they could even grow women's hockey more is if they followed kind of the the formula that the women's soccer team has oh, sure. followed. Yeah, women's soccer is, is huge. I, I think they need to have more like international kind of like friendlies here yeah. on home soil. Exhibition like, stuff, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that would get more people like on board and get the name out there. And I just don't hear about like the team USA women's hockey team playing here in the States much. Like you only hear them come up when Olympics Olympics or, is know, mentioned. Yeah. yeah. Where, Speaking of the Olympics is going to be awesome. When, when we finally see Connor McDavid playing with uh, Sidney Crosby and Nate McKinnon. Um, but you're right. You're a hundred percent right. Uh, I, I, th- I think that's a good point. Although, um, the one thing I will say is that I think that women's hockey is the fastest growing sport in North America. Um, and that is, that's, that's, that, that inspires confidence. That's something that you want to see, uh, because I love hockey. I'm a fan of the sport. I love the Montreal Canadians, but I think that, 
sometimes sometimes people have more allegiance to the team that they like than than the overall sport and i think that's silly i, I think if you love the team that you follow uh, you should love the sport first and foremost and um and man the pwhl is doing so many cool things like they the the jailbreak rule do you guys know about this no the no. jailbreak rule so let's say let's say my team is playing your team justin and yeah. you guys are on the power play i'm on the penalty kill if i score i get yeah. my player out of the penalty box really yeah isn't that awesome so like That's when sh- these, short, these shorthanded goals happen and the team is just fucking losing it, and the, the, you know, the girl comes skating out of the penalty box to come celebrate the goal with the girl that just jailbroke her. And it's awesome. You know, it's, it's so exciting. It sounds like uh, middle school and elementary school dodgeball, right? Yeah, like someone catches the ball and yeah, you're back capture in. The, flag, yeah, the, the same rule. Yeah. It's like capture the flag or dodgeball. Exactly. And, and I love that. It's fun. And do I want to see that, uh, you know, in, in the men's game? I don't know. I really don't know. But the point is, is that it's not just a, a, a watered down version of men's hockey. It's a little different, you know, and I love that jailbreak rule. I think it's so, so sick. And um, there, there's a couple of little rules that they do like that. They do similar to that one in the PWHL that just makes you kind of scratch your head and be like, man, that's, I never even thought about that, but that's so cool, you know? Well, and are they, too, are, like- are they following the same like formula as professional lacrosse where they have kind of like weekend tournaments where all the teams play in one host city or are they doing kind of just traditional? No, they don't, they don't all play in one host city. Um, I know there's a, and the only reason I know that for sure is because, uh, you know, I, as I've seen the season unfold for them, I know that there's been these different records being broken attendance, attendance wise in different arenas. I think there was one in Minnesota followed by, um, one in new york and toronto but they're playing in their respective cities i just don't know exactly how they're scheduling it or organizing the schedule um but uh all that stuff i, I know is subject to change because they're, they're it's their inaugural season things always yeah. change um like i said right now each team is just the new york team and the toronto team and the montreal team i think that's a little boring like yeah. give me a mascot give me something um because that that's what you build your branding on, you know, optics and, you know, stuff like that. Amen. Well, I do want to jump into a little sick enough talk. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. Let's do it. Before we do that, I do want to let everyone know about our sponsor, DraftKings. So looking for a super offer for a Super Bowl 58, DraftKings Sports, Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. So the Super Bowl is actually today, so perfect chance to throw down some money on either the Chiefs or uh, the 49ers. I have no tie to either team, so I'm definitely watching for the commercials. But if that's your thing, throw down some money on DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 21- 
plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after assurance. See DraftKings.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So I guess, like I said, I would love to talk a little sick enough. Um, I had no idea that this new project was coming, and then all of a sudden one day I saw you share it on Instagram, and I was like, what is this? So I go and check it out, and I'm like, Oh my God, I love this as well. And it's like blown up really fast. Like your monthly listeners are huge. And I know we're not going to spend a bunch of time like going into the analogs and stuff like that, as you mentioned earlier. But like you must be looking at this project and being like, man, people are digging this. Like this is really growing fast. Yeah, yeah, it's super cool. Um, so first and foremost, the, the project kind of came about because the singer, um, Eddie Madero, um, he, uh, you know, he's one of the, he's a Miami kid. Um, he grew up in the local scene just like I did, just like Justin did. And, um, he used to play in a lot of like metalcore bands and metal, you know, heavier bands. Um, he hit me up one day and he was like, Hey, listen, man, I know, you, you know, I know you play music here in South Florida. I know you're a bassist and I, I've seen you in like various different bands. I'm putting together this little project. I'd, I'd love for you to be a part of it. And, um, from there we kind of, you know, got to know each other a little bit. Uh, we met, uh, the drummer, David, he's awesome. David Alfaro. Uh, he's a super talented drummer, super talented, um, production engineer, mixing engineer. Um, and we kind of just came together as this little trio really led by Eddie, you know, Eddie, Eddie kind of came to us with these songs that he actually, you know, he recorded all the songs, everything that's on Spotify right now, he recorded everything. Um, we, I, I believe he went up to Andrew Wade uh, to record with Andrew Wade. Um, so what you hear on the recordings is is not me. Hopefully, I will be tracking on stuff in the future, or at least um, yeah, helping to to write some of that stuff. But uh, everything that he came to us with is what you hear on Spotify. Uh, he's really the genius behind it all. He's kind of the architect of the band. Um, but it's it's been a really really cool. Uh, experience you know it's an opportunity for me to play bass in a band which i love bass was my first instrument um i love the music i love the people in it david and eddie are such sweet wholesome guys i love hanging out with them and um like you said eddie has really mastered this um this outreach you know for for the for the band for the music he's really found a way to to amplify our, our you know our outreach uh we have few thousand monthly listeners which is so so cool and we recently did this um this campaign to sell some shirts our first first ever run of merchandise and we sold out in like yeah i think it was 40 shirts or 40 or 50 shirts Uh, i think it was 40 shirts in like 30 hours or 36 hours i Mm -hmm. think um a lot of sales in like germany and you know these random places which is super cool but uh, that's, that's what you get out of, um, doing a good job with, uh, the social media and the algorithm stuff, which I'm trying to get better at with last disaster. Um, he's found an awesome compromise, uh, with that stuff. I know that he doesn't, he doesn't let it totally drive everything about the project by any means. I actually think he does social media management stuff, um, for, for like companies as, as a day job. So he knows a little bit about how to, uh, how to get, content in front of the people who might be interested in seeing it or hearing it. Um, and, and that's basically that that's, that's a lot of his work and and his efforts in trying to, um, 
lineup interviews with with certain people and he does a lot of uh pr stuff himself uh so that's that's basically that it's funny that you mentioned how he went and recorded with andrew wade and like I dropped how it gave me, you know, Mag Park and 408 vibes. Sure. Not even knowing, oh, this makes sense. Like Wade recorded all those bands that I mentioned as well. Yeah, Yeah, man. He's a guru, you know, he's a pop punk guru when it comes to especially Florida bands. That's, that's, that makes sense, right? Um, Yeah. Now, Project isn't even a year old yet, right? Yes and no. You know, Eddie reached out to me years ago about um, getting the ball rolling on this, but I I knew he had been, you know, the plan was for things to kind of stay behind the scenes for a little while, um, just because he wanted to do it the right way. Like I said, he put a lot of time and effort into orchestrating a perfect um, plan to to release everything. There was a lot that went into our debut. Our debut song was uh, low. Um, and uh, it, it's been a long time coming, a, a real long time coming. I, I'm, I'm honestly proud of him because he's expressed an immense degree of patience and planning and just doing things the right way, not just doing things the quick way. Um, meanwhile, you know, I, as soon as the breakout plan was like done being mastered, I was like, boom, okay, I'm going to Spotify. I'm going to DistroKid and I'm uploading it. And, <laughs> and that's that, you know, I'll set out a day a few, few weeks from now, a couple, couple months from now. Um, but uh, for sick enough, it's been a, a huge culmination of a lot of blood, sweat, and tears behind the scenes, mostly on Eddie's part. Okay, yeah, it. it I think your feeling is how most bands feel, and it's that self control of like, yeah, I love this song, I want to get it out, and sometimes, unfortunately, bands kind of rush it, and they just will like for sure. drop a drop a single without like letting their fan base know and their social media platforms know and the song can be totally sick like the best song that the band has ever done and then like flop and yeah. it's yeah. that self-control and being like yes i know that this song is sick i really want everyone to hear it but i gotta i gotta get everything like all the social media assets in line i gotta get the cover photo i gotta get the artwork like right getting you gotta all do it the that. right way not just you gotta do it the right way, way. yeah and exactly. i think that's such a that's such that's not that's a phrase i use with my clients at work like you know it, and it, it applies to so many things yeah obviously time is is often of the essence and there's often a time factor of you know sooner is usually better but that's that's not the be all end all you know you want it to be articulate you want it to be meticulous you want it you want to do it the right way not just the quick way and if you can find a compromise between the two then great but um i think i've learned that a little bit with the breakout plan i, I didn't just upload it for like the next week to, to drop I, I did things a little differently than i did for the college try and i'm trying to follow up um, with a little bit of content and a little bit of uh, a little bit of shows here and there um, we weren't able to really follow up the college try with any of that stuff, especially shows because a week after we played our release show, our EP release the show shut down, um, the world shut down. Um, and that is not an exaggeration. It literally shut down. And even if, even if we had the ability to play shows that quickly after, you know, we certainly would not have, um, it was, it was something that we, you know, that I certainly took very, very seriously with COVID and everything. Um, 
so it, it killed our momentum. But I, I said, you know, with this latest release, ah, the breakout plan, I, I have the opportunity to be a little more patient with it. I have the opportunity to kind of follow up the right way with some shows and some, you know, promotional content. Um, so I'm going to try to do a little bit of more of that, especially after learning how uh, Eddie's done things with Sick Enough. It's, it's kind of inspired me to do things more the right way than just the quick way. And if I'm not mistaken, you guys haven't played a show yet, right? As a, yeah. as a full band. Yeah. We only, I think we only debuted our first song in September. So it's been like, it's not even been six months. Um, uh, but we are going to be playing shows soon. Um, hopefully sooner than later. Uh, we're just kind of making sure it's the right time and the right opportunity. Uh, like you said, we'll be seeing you guys in June. Um, but, uh, or at least, you know, I'll be seeing Justin, I'm guessing Mikey, you won't be there, but, uh, we'll, we'll be, we have some plans in June, um, kind of already set in stone. Uh, we're hoping to make something happen before that though. Hell yeah. Well, you know, now I just selfishly want to hear your vocals mixed in as well. And I think that would just take like sick enough to the next level. Like I, I just love a dual vocal. I really do. I me think too. yeah, done right. And not like too, like too overwhelming back and forth, like sprinkling in another vocalist every now and again is just like, yeah, chef's kiss. I agree. People, I, people often ask me with last disaster, like why I don't just do my own backups. And, and that's exactly why. Uh, it's, it, you know, when you're in a band, it's a team sport. And even when I'm kind of more of a solo artist than, than a lot of bands, um, you know, I consider last disaster a band because even though it's, even though I am the one consistent factor, I am the one permanent member of this band, it's still a band. You know, I, I still have, uh, other people helping me and collaborating with me that I'm relying on to, to make my vision a reality. Uh, so you're like the spill canvas. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of projects like that. So when people are like, Oh, just do your own backup vocals. I'm like, no, I don't want to, I, I want to add a, a, an extra dimension there. And I want to incorporate my friends voices so that I can look back and be like, yeah, that, Oh, that that's awesome. I did, you know, a collaboration on vocals where I got my buddy to do vocals and that's pretty special. So I'd like to see that happen with sick enough too. In fact, I, I, you know, Eddie's kind of encouraging me to do a little bit more singing as well, which is really, really awesome of him. I, I didn't really expect that, but, um, it's, it's super cool, especially when it comes to like singing some harmonies and whatnot, uh, that, that at, makes it a little thicker of a harmony, you know, when it's two different voices. Yeah, dude. Or like 408 legit has three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> bad, bad year used to do that. Bad year used to do, uh, like th- three different voices. Um, Bad year was my old band. Justin will remember we played plenty of shows with, with Justin, but uh, yeah, man, it's exciting. It's really cool. Uh, I'm hoping that we drop a, a we're going to drop a fourth song, um, ho- you know, hopefully in this first half of the year. Um, I don't want to say too much, but hopefully it'll be out by by June. I'm just not 100 percent sure. Hell yeah! Well, that's all exciting, right? Right? Like, you know, yeah. getting involved in, with a project that's doing it the right way and kind of getting people excited. And like, you know, by the time you play that first show, it's going to be like, there's, there's hype around it, right? Yeah. There's going to be people yeah. there and it, that's going to be. Yeah. I'm ready for it though. I, I love playing live shows and I'm so like, I'm always so antsy, you know, again, maybe that's just me wanting to, to jump the gun and do things quickly, but I, I'm so ready to play a live show with these guys. They're super fun to play music with. Um, 
you know, we, we've done some rehearsals. We sound pretty tight. Uh, it's really just more of a, a quantity of songs right now. We're trying to build up our repertoire a little bit. Um, right now, we only have three songs out right now. I think you need uh, one more, and then you do a cover, and there you go. You got a yeah. You're, you're you're one step ahead. You're you you're with the program for sure. You know exactly. You're speaking our language for sure. Um, but that's exactly right. We're gonna try to pump pump out one more original tune sooner than later, and follow that up with uh, with a live show. Maybe incorporate a cover, like you said. Hell yeah! And then before we let you go, you're a super busy man you're also in a hardcore project so like right yeah it was in on siesta um yes this know, is totally a, different than the other two projects yeah very different um it's definitely the most different of the three um siesta is very much um a low-key project um you know <laughs> there's a lot of range in terms of of these projects especially when it comes to outreach you know like a band like sick enough with a few thousand monthly listeners uh last enough with a few hundred and sick and uh, siesta with a few uh, a few listeners a few monthly listeners but um we're, we're we're actually recording music we just recorded some new tunes um we're gonna re-record a lot of what we've already put out uh, we put out like a demo ep in 2022 we're gonna try to refine that a little bit um but yes, yes, there's a cool opportunity for me to experiment with my vocals. I'm doing a little more uh, screaming a lot. It's only screaming. I don't do any like real pitch singing. Um, and it, it's cool because I've never been in a band like that, at least as a vocalist. I've been in some heavy bands as a bassist, um, but never as a vocalist. It's kind of getting me out of my comfort zone. Um, but uh, more than anything, it's, it's really an excuse for me to hang out with a group of guys that I love from Miami, some dudes that I've known forever. Um, my buddy Roald plays drums, my buddy Facundo plays guitar. And then we, uh, we incorporated, um, our bassist who came along after we released our EP, um, back in 2022. Um, our bassist is this guy Q who's, who's really awesome. And they're just good dudes. You know, the best thing about music is the people that you meet, um, doing it and the, the opportunities to hang out with friends that you might not otherwise, um, be around a whole lot just because there's a little bit of distance you know they're kind of in the miami area and now i'm living up in fort lauderdale um but in addition to being able to hang out with some people that i love it's it's an opportunity to play some uh to some music that i love um in a way that i've never really done before at least as as a vocalist like i said so check out siesta our, our ep is called blood for blood um and it's sort of like vaguely inspired by my veganism but not everybody in the band is a vegan um about half the band is a vegan um including myself uh it's very eco eco conscious hardcore and um like you know critical of the capitalist and in industrial complex and stuff like that so check it out it, it's some fun like old school type hardcore in the vein of maybe earth crisis um and some other bands from that era so, uh, so I appreciate you bringing it up, bringing it up, Mikey, it, it kind of falls through the cracks oftentimes, but, um, but I'm really glad you brought it up because it is a project I love so much and, uh, we'll be, we'll be releasing some music, uh, uh, similar to the other projects, um, pretty soon. Now you, you kind of like, you know, threw shade at your own project. They're like, Oh yeah. Only a few <laughs> listeners. However, I guarantee when you play your shows though, because like the hardcore community it's different. is different. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, you might have a few like monthly <laughs> listeners. However, like I'm sure 
way more people come out to those shows that than actually like are your Spotify. Yeah, list. yeah, no, you're right, Mikey, and, and that's kind of, that, that is validating. You know, I'm, I'm glad you say that because it is true. You know, when we play shows, there's you know there's a community there. Um, hardcore punk is a different world. You know, it's not so social media heavy, which is something that I like about it a lot. It's 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 sobering. It's refreshing. Are um, we about to have like a Step Brothers moment? I'm sorry, I'm not sure if you saw that, but drummer Tony like. He's behind Justin somewhere. Oh, yep. There we go. Do you want to do a Step Brothers moment? My dog. (laughs) My boy. I thought that was going to happen, and I didn't want to be thrown off guard because I would just lose it. (laughs) The the interview, like they're wearing the same exact little monkey suit. We were laughing, too, because he he was knocking on the door, and I was like, oh, let me just run down there and grab it really quick. And he was like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not wearing the same shirt as you. Sometimes we'll either wear the same shirt or the same hat. It happened, yeah, uh, when I great minds, forward. great minds think alike. You know, <laughs> that, that comes down to to fashion sense as well. But well, shout out Tony, we love you, buddy. Nice to see you briefly. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess before we get off the rails, man, Jared, I truly appreciate you coming back on. Super excited that we're going to be combining forces later in June, and you yeah, know, man. getting last disaster out. To, to more people and getting your new project out to some, some people too, like super pumped yeah. for everything that you're working on. And I don't know if we, yeah, we definitely didn't say it on here, you know, congrats on being Mr. Lawyer, man. Like that's a huge accomplishment and uh, keep crushing it in the music and in the, in the courtroom. Appreciate it guys. I, I really yeah. love, uh, I love you guys a lot. I appreciate you guys, uh, allowing me to come on here. You guys have been a big part in, um, amplifying last disaster, um, from the very beginning. And, and I really appreciate that. It, it's not lost on me that you guys have a lot of bigger artists come on here. And, and that's, that's what a lot of listeners are, are here for. But I think the fact that you're, uh, you, you make time and space for, for people like me, for bands like last disaster, that's so, so cool. And I, I really appreciate it. Um, and, and I can't wait to come on again. It's always been a pleasure to talk a little bit of music and a little bit of hockey with you. Um, and that's that. All right. Well, let's be real. Like we wouldn't be having you on if your music wasn't sick. Like you keep yeah. trying to like <laughs> poo poo your music. Like, no, I'm a legit fan of last disaster. And that's yeah. why I'm yeah. on the podcast. Like, but listen, I'm, that's, I'm, not, no. I'm not selective with who I let on the podcast. I'm not just letting anyone <laughs> sure. on here. Sure. Sure. But that, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't, you know, sometimes that isn't enough for a lot of people. Sometimes it's not mm-hmm. enough that you have good music or that you have music that people like. Um, and and for you guys, the fact that that's the most important criteria, or at least that's one of the most, you know, the pieces of criteria, it just goes to show the authenticity of, of what you guys do with it. And and that is few and far between, uh, at least more so than, um, than it should be. Uh, I think the world would be a better place, especially the music world um, would be a better place uh, if, if more people were willing to to do what you guys do and, and give a voice to maybe some smaller bands uh, that you guys dig and, and showing the world a little bit more about them. See, we're old school, Jared. Like I was listening to bands before you could see how many other people were listening to bands. Like, right. Right. Yeah. I just like legit fell in love with a band that maybe I, that they had cool artwork when I was they could be huge. They could be tiny, you know, like, and I had no idea. And like, sometimes I would go to shows when I was first going, when I was 15, 16 years old. And I knew nothing about this band that I loved. All I knew is like, they put out this CD. I, I, I don't know even what their lead. Right. 
looks like I would go to the shows and it was such like a mystery. And unfortunately, I, I don't think kids are going to have that ever again. And that was that was kind of like a the real charm. special the charm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that that's so true, and and you you keep a little bit of that that um, that spirit alive and that charm alive uh, with with what you guys do. I really appreciate it, and and I think that's so so cool to to have that mentality and have that mindset and um, kind of impose that a little bit on other folks. That yeah, hey, it doesn't matter how successful a band is, or if your friends know it already. Maybe you can show them a new band, and that's yeah, yeah, that's that's a sacred exchange, you know. But um, I know I'm running. I, I hate to say it, I'm running low on my battery here. I just don't want to die without uh, <laughs> w- without uh, context here. But um, I got this old yeah. 2013 laptop here. So no it's, man, it's go follow last disaster. Go follow sick enough. Go follow siesta. And Jared, we'll talk to you later, brother. Thank you guys so much. I'll see you guys soon and uh, be easy. All right. See you guys. All right. See you guys. Later, fellas.